Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the podcast. My name is Howell. This is Jamie. Yeah. And this is Matthew Wandless. Rip it up. Rip it up. It's time to talk about TV. What should you watch next? What are you watching? What do we recommend? What are we trying to force feed each other and thereby potentially persuade you? Um, and also, who's been emailing? Guys, we received an email. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. Should I sound this excited about that? I think so. Yes. We're pretty. It's historic. It is. We're pretty uh, open about the fact that, you know, we know that a lot of people listen to this podcast because we can see the figures, but we don't get much interaction. And um, so we really do love it. It's so much so that I sent Matthew and Jamie a screenshot of the email when. When this email came through, I was so excited. I said, look, guys, we did it. Not one of them replied with equal excitement. Just ignored the A single text. tear fell from my eye. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to read it. I wanted to have my reaction be live. Thank you, Lee, for your email. Um, Lee says, hi, you've helped us find so much good television to watch. Due to being parents and not having a life any longer, you've kept us going with nutritious televisual content. Thank you. This Is Us is quite emotional. It has made me cry practically every episode, and I'm not one for doing that, really. Having said that, your recent episode about having a rough time did move me greatly. Thank you, guys. Wish you all the best. Lee. Oh, isn't that lovely? Fantastic. Referring to my um, uh, episode where I d went into detail about my own mental health issues. And um, thank Should you, Lee. Frame that shit. <laughs> That's right. I replied saying, thanks very much. Tell us more, Lee. What have we encouraged you to watch? He hasn't replied since. Damn but, it, Lee. But that's all right. You, you know what, I blame you, Howard. You're pushing too hard. I, know, I pushed you're too pushing, hard. Yeah, you, you came across as desperate. I pushed him you away. Did. I pushed him away. Um, it was your first date and you blew it. <laughs> Lee, Can thank you. Can you send him another email and ask him what his opinions are about me? Because <laughs> that's really all I'm interested in. Specifically, Lee. Specifically, Lee. Specifically, uh, Lee. On a scale of one to ten, how annoying is Matt Wandless? Ten being excruciating. We'll see what he says to that. Um, so, I think we're um, probably looking at a three, maybe a four. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lee. If you want to email us, we love to hear. It's just nice to hear that something we're doing here is being listened to because as we discuss on the podcast quite a lot, um, we're not really sure about the old philosophy of recommendations actually working. <laughs> That's why we formed the podcast yeah. in the first place, was because everyone pushes you towards stuff and you're not sure if it works. But the fact that it, we've actually persuaded Lee to try one or two things is fantastic. And Lee, thank you for watching This Is Us. Um, we should check whether Matthew and Jamie have done their homework from last time, which was to watch This Is Us. Have you been as good as Lee? No. 
No. There you go. Can't even practice what they preach. And I thought I was waiting for Jamie to watch it because I did say that I wasn't prepared to spend my time on it on the basis <laughs> oh, of your recommendations. <laughs> can't what believe a, you just stiffed me like that, Matthew. What about, I'm not trying to throw is, you under the bus. I'm just saying oh. that um, I didn't say that I would watch it. Personal injury aside, what about the recommendation from Lee? Is that enough to make you watch it? Uh, well, uh, I mean, does it... Yeah. I, I haven't really formed an opinion of Lee. I think you have to develop a relationship with a critic. <laughs> um, and I must Maybe once d- he tells me how annoying he thinks I am, I'll, you know, if oh, he's a sensible yeah. person and he goes to the mm. high end of the scale. That's right. Then maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll take a deep dive. Lee, if you can send us. us an email stating which Shakespeare plays are your favourite, that will put you on a good par with Matthew, probably put you into the high No, I'm, I'm terrible. Um, Those people can quote Shakespeare from memory. I can't do anything. How can I compare thee to a summer's day? Hmm? Hmm? My can wife. You, can you carry on? Or um, yes. Um, is it nobler in the mind of good fortune to? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. My good, wife good. Well done. said to me no when I suggested that I do my homework too, which was to watch Russian Doll. I have also let you guys down. Why did she say no? What? Oh, she's just got a bad relationship to the first 12 minutes we watched and then unfortunately a couple of people at work said to her they weren't keen and that's the killer isn't it? you watch it on the slide? You have to watch it with your no, partner because no. I find ways yeah. around mine. Yeah, I do that as well. I, I tend to just watch um, uh, Mindhunter on loop after hours but um, I am starting to do that a little bit more. Stuff that I think there's no way she's ever going to bother with this. I'll do it. Yeah, that's what I do, yeah. I set aside i've got like a list of stuff that lauren won't watch with me yeah and you know i just find hours within my like the formula one should we talk about the formula one uh, yeah yeah but but let's just repeat russian doll and this is us is still our quest if we can do it within a month of first acting asking that'll be by the time of next podcast i will watch uh this is us and it's on amazon prime isn't it it is is it is and the second series has just dropped as well it really is quite superb um mm. all right then so what uh formula one so i haven't watched this either matthew recommended the formula one documentary uh it, it does formula look... one drive to survive let, let me give you a little bit of background all right is it about cars um, no okay it's about me okay even more interesting okay um so i used to watch formula one with my dad when i was about 15 until I realized sort of a moment of clarity that it was extremely boring. <laughs> um, there was just cars going around the track. Uh, the cars very rarely went past each other. And uh, one team was clearly the strongest after a couple of weeks and they would win. Yeah. Uh, so I stopped watching it and I haven't watched it since then. Um, except maybe to glance at it. Cause um uh, Formula One is a client at work, so um, occasionally uh, I, 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 I dabble in it. Um, but um, dropped that mic, and literally because Matthew works in a microphone company. Hey, look, Game of Thrones are a client, but uh, what? You know. what? What now? What? Can you get? Why don't you get as an what? interview with someone who deals with the microphones on Game of Thrones? Yeah. That would be fascinating because we they're very that. busy people. Oh, Look, let's not on. get sidetracked here. This is far um, more interesting than your personal story. I mean, you've got no, connections. Really Look, f- film sound recordists are very, very technical, very um, uh, professional people. You're saying they're but boring. They really don't have an awful lot of, in, in my experience, <laughs> they don't really have an awful lot of interest in the actual films that they make. Okay. 
Um, oh, so yeah. from from our perspective, it's not going to be a good interview. Um, but <laughs> if you Google DPA microphones Game of Thrones, you'll find an article with the uh, chief sound recordist Ronan Hill, who used to, uses our mics on his stuff. Wow. Um, uh, also, if you Google Formula One DPA microphones, you'll find a video about how they used to capture the sounds of the cars. Um, and do you make um, do you design these microphones? Are they are they yours? No, they're not mine. No, it's a Danish company. Ah, that's why you have to go to Daneland quite often. Can we stay on the do- on the that's documentary, please? Very interesting um, to me. So I, I didn't watch Formula One for a long time, and I've uh, kind of uh, just sort of discarded it as a sport. And they've made a lot of changes to the rules, <laughs> and people always say to me, "Oh, it's much more competitive than it used to be." And I'm like, "Yeah, but is it?" Because it's usually one one of the car companies wins like by a country mile every year. Mm. Um, at the moment, it's two. It's um, uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. But this documentary uh, has given me a whole new lease of life with the sport, so much so that I actively followed the qualifying and the Grand Prix at the, week, the weekend just gone. Mm. Um, and I've set my TiVo to record the highlights um, wow. for the rest of the series. I, I, Why so? Jay, well, because it focuses in on the drivers. And it's it's a weird thing at the moment. I don't know you you guys don't uh, in our conversations you never come across particularly as sports fans, but um, <laughs> I watch you. a lot of football and uh, the interviews with footballers uh, are so poor yeah. that uh, there is no point in watching them. There is literally no point in watching a footballer be interviewed because they basically have about five stock phrases which they can say because they are media trained within an inch of their life because. If you let footballers talk about stuff, then they say stupid things. Yes. Um, and I know it, it's a, it's kind of a, a classist and um, elitist thing to say, but it tends to be that the, the wealthier the background of the athlete, the more erudite they will be in interviews. So if you watch rugby players get interviewed or cricket players, they talk with a, a lot more confidence and uh, they will go yeah. into a bit more depth about the game and they'll actually discuss the finer points of things because often Whereas, they they have been to public school or they have come from a background that is uh, better educated exactly and also i mean also there's not so much money associated with the sport so if someone says something stupid then it's not as massive a story as it is if a footballer says something but um this Formula is a, One, we also used to find this about tv adventurers jamie and i used to interview a lot of tv adventurers and we noticed after a while that they tended to be quite public school based uh, and if you go back in history that's true you know the people who could afford to go and go and conquer the north pole for six months came from a background that could afford that yeah and formula one is a sport that is absolutely the playground of the rich and and uh well and the super rich mm. you can't become or at least it's very rare to become a formula one driver without some serious financial backing either from your family or from an outside source um so the people who are racing these cars tend to be pretty privileged, and judging from the documentary, they are ninety percent psychopaths. Um, they, they are totally crazy, and the the interviews are so much more kind of open, uh, and they are bitchy and slanderous, and they don't like each other even within the same team and they are not shy about showing it so it is much more of a soap opera than any other sport i've seen 
Wow. There's like there is there's one bit uh you reminded me, Matt. Um, where one driver, they just basically had a collision to two drivers, and one driver's exactly been interviewed after the about. race. One driver's been interviewed after the race, and the other one comes over and goes, "Oh, you're going to win the most unsportsmanlike uh, racing driver again this year, I see." And as he's saying that, the other driver turns from the interview and goes, "Suck my balls." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's and like, he says it so in- casually as well. He goes, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, suck my balls." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Well, yeah, like that you said, was um, really fascinating. Kevin Magnuson, I think, and uh, I can't remember who the other driver. Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg was it? I thought they Hulkenberg. were on the same team. Hulkenberg. What a name! Enough, uh, well enough to know who it was, but I'm pretty sure it was Magnuson who said that. But yeah. then there's a bit where, um, uh, yeah, Max Verstappen, who is the most psychopath of them all. Who's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he grew up. He's born in Monaco, so that tells you everything you need to know about him. Uh, and he races for Red Bull. And there's a, a race where one of the Force India drivers, who are a lower ranked team, uh, drove into the back of him and smashed his car up. And afterwards, he just goes after him and is like about to have a fist fight with him. And then when he's interviewed about it later, he doesn't say oh, yeah, no, sorry, you know, it's unacceptable in the game, which is what you expect from a footballer. Any any kind of incident like that, if you get asked about it, you go, yeah, no, I shouldn't have done it, and all, all this stuff. But you never hear anyone say, yeah, yeah, I was so angry, I, I can't talk about it, because if I do, I'm probably going to headbutt someone, which is what Verstappen says. <laughs> it's, it's just nuts. The, and then that follows all the way through to the team managers, like the, yes, the, the yes. team manager of Red Bull and the team manager of Renault have this incredible snarky motherfucker yeah. relationship with each other and then there's some uh inter-team politics yeah. with where, where renault make the engines for red bull and then yeah. one of the red bull drivers ends up going to renault and it's just like it's it's fantastic it's like, drama. It's, like, it's like the housewives of orange county it's like there's that much drama and bitchiness going on i can't believe the level of access the camera crew had there's a there's an Not episode that focuses on a, a racing driver called Roman Grosjean, and he's like constantly crashing his car, and it, he ends up having to see a psychologist because he's having he's having issues with it. His mental side of the game is 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 being affected. And there's a bit where he's had a crash during qualifying, and so they've got him, they've got him mic'd up while he's in his trailer, pretty much having like a breakdown, talking about yeah. how he's not slept in days. Mm. And it's like it's really like wow, how did they get this all uh, approved? And and it's really like in depth. You look into this world. The, the footage of the, from the races themselves is stunning and amazing. And like it's just you're right there within it. It's it's incredibly like engaging in a way that I'm the same as you, Matt. I was totally turned off Formula One for a few years now, but this has kind of tweaked my my interest again friend of us yeah, um, made me interested in the the middle of the field as well because yeah yeah normally when you watch it it's just like who's going to win who's there's there'll be one or two, one to four drivers who are actually competitive and yeah. that's think, kind of what yeah. you focus on but now i'm all about the uh the, the scrap for points between the rest of the constructors and the other drivers yeah that's what because that's me the only off, thing think, about the yeah. documentary actually is that um they had no almost no access to um mercedes and ferrari uh, but, but I think uh, it's a good thing, isn't it? In the end, it, it becomes a, a much more fascinating world within I think this. It's, like. 
Go yeah, on, sorry. but like hearing United fans a few years ago talking about how they just win everything is kind of boring. It's nice to see the middle, the middle stuff, the aspirational stuff. Yeah, but I, I think it is. Um, I think it's actually good for the first season. But I hope they manage to get them signed up if they do a second one mm. um, about the current season because uh, it would be good to have the full, the full roster of drivers well congratulations Especially yeah you've sold me on, that's great my brother my twin brother and a friend of ours are, are, are really into formula one and they'll go around the world they'll pay a fortune just to climb through a fence and stand on a, a grassy knoll in some bushes to see the car screech past and i just i think it's almost as mad as i've always found football to be and um, you've made me really get into it there. That sounds... Well, have excellent. you seen the documentary Senna? Yeah, I loved it, loved it. It's the same people, that's isn't it? That's the same, yeah. same people involved. In, and like that, you don't need to really give a shit about the sport to really mm. just enjoy the story and the drama within it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's genuinely... I really have enjoyed a lot of uh, I mean, there's, there's a recent kind of trend for these documentaries yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've watched a couple of the uh, the All or Nothing series. Uh, yeah. I saw the one with that they did with Manchester City last yeah, year. Yeah, I saw that. Which was... Yeah. Yeah, as, you say, as you say, it's kind of less fun when it's the people who win. Mm. Who wants yeah. to win? Um, uh, but then I saw also that the first... I think it was the first... The first series Amazon did um, called All or Nothing was with uh, an NFL team called the Arizona Cardinals mm. who uh, almost won. And that really, really brilliant. I, I'm, I'm, I quite like American football, but um, I haven't watched it for a long time. But the, it's, it's the way you get to know the, the, the real players and yeah. drivers in this case. Yeah, yeah, and also I'd mentioned Sunderland Till I Die, which is on Netflix, which focuses on like Sunderland football team. They've been relegated to the Championship, and the, 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 they made this documentary thinking that oh they'll probably be on a promotion push to get back in the Premier League, and it's them getting relegated again. And uh, it, that's a brilliant documentary. It's more about the fans and the fans, this like real passion that Sunderland people have, and the, how important the football club is, and how related to, it's almost like a religion to these supporters. And watching their club crumble is kind of really heartbreaking at times. And that's really worth a watch as well on Netflix. I think what yeah, TV meaning to watch that actually. TV is realizing certainly Netflix is giving the scope because they can take risk on <clears throat> take a risk on lots of stuff, but the, it's giving the scope to explore the same kind of narrow casting that podcasts explore you know so you can really focus in on one tiny aspect of something and get passionate about it and it's so refreshing to see that happen i, I came up with a wanky phrase a couple of weeks ago in the classroom which was um uh, which i was being slightly ironic about but i, I it, it, uh, thinking horizontally instead of vertically so like jamie and i are used to uh, years in in traditional media where you talk about demographics and you think sort of horizontally you put people into boxes you draw a line in people and you go the 35 year old female the 50 year old male and you exclude you try and talk to them so if you're talking to the 35 year old female you've got to talk about hair straighteners all the time and what podcasts what what these documentaries have started to do particularly is think instead of those traditional uh, boxes they think horizontally about what's in common with everybody that comes out of this thing so if it's mad i don't know what it is with the formula one maybe it's uh aspiration hope madness obsession uh probably stuff. more hair straighteners <laughs> yeah 
there, but you can look across at that. So whether it's a documentary about Sunderland or it could be something about sheep farming, the theme is the thing that pushes you through it and you can really explore that and, and find something to be uh, obsessed at, which is the thing that's always bored me about football talk shows is just hearing people talk stats endlessly is completely different from hearing people talk about uh, narrative. I always find it much more interesting hearing people talk about um, the the story. Have you seen yeah, an, the experience of it, rather yeah. than and an analysis? Yeah. yeah. The um, have you seen the the adverts for the new film, uh, The Keeper? No. It's a, no. it's a film about Manchester City keeper uh, Manchester City keeper um, Bert Troutman, who was a German oh, yeah. and was. Um, came from it was just after the war that they signed him so this was a big like it's a fascinating story and the, just the trailer looks awesome it looks like it's going to be a great film um, mm. another example of that kind of thing but yeah he sold me Matt great and my favourite moments of your speech there uh, I was taking notes were number one the names Verstappen and Hulkenberg I mean you've got villains names there which is pretty good um, I also enjoyed when you say you discarded the sport Matthew doesn't lose interest in a sport. He spits it out or discards <laughs> yes. it with disgust like a stroppy Victorian fop. Uh, and Jamie saying, uh, and, and Matt saying, Jamie and I aren't into sport. Very true, Matt. I'm into football, but Jamie's not into any sport-related stuff. Doesn't even have a favourite football team. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you Are you have, actually into football? Uh, no. And okay. Jamie is into something that used to be a football team. Are you still into that, Jamie? I'm still a supporter, and I always will be, because I'm not a glory man, of Blackburn Rovers. Are they still a football team, yeah? Yes, Howell. Right, right. Very good. God damn right. Well, that's me sold on Formula One. I'll be watching that. Uh, Matthew, you were critical of Alan Partridge last week. Uh, I'd like to double down on my theory about the things that they keep in his news clips. I'm, I'm certain that it's uh, the, the team around in the editor that's been funny about that that's uh, i'm choosing to believe that i found this latest episode the weakest because uh, and this is the one where she disappears at the beginning of the episode did you both watch that no yes, i haven't just, i've only seen the I've first episode seen. of this series i haven't carried on it was very funny in lots of ways but you um but but what's one of the things that's really good about this series is i think she's very good and when she uh, left at the beginning of the episode you kind of wanted to know what was happening with her which uh, sort of uh, clouded the episode i felt did you jamie um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it felt a bit forced at the beginning. Um, mm. And, yeah, it was more... Like, it always walks this line of funny and incredibly awkward and uncomfortable, doesn't it? And this one probably teetered too much towards the awkward and uncomfortable. Well, there's some brilliant bits again. Yeah. Like, there's bits where he's, he's being filmed while he's sleeping, going through <laughs> oh the... Oh, my um, God! Dealing with his night sweat. Oh, my God! Unbelievably funny. Like, that's the thing... They're amazing moments. There always are, and uh, this is the thing. Why you know this is the thing why I always go on about comedies when they get into the second or third series. The same with uh, Parks and Rec and Chuck and all of those things that I talk about that are ensemble things. The the same is true of Alan Partridge, and it was true in Scissor Dial that. If if it was a team of writers writing something just f like a new series, you would never find that gag of pausing on Steve Coogan's face while he's um, 
in his while well, they're filming him asleep <laughs> just like in scissor dale you would never have the you know the camera that was stuck to the front of his face while he was in the in the um <laughs> warehouse and it's like visual gags are allowed visual things really inventive things come out of the team that are trying to be funny so it becomes a physical comedy as well as just a, a writer's exercise and you can only get that yeah. when a character's lived for a certain number of years i think when the actor can really yeah. inhabit it well, it'll be interesting to see if they do come back with a second series because that was the last episode, wasn't it? And I do wonder if they'll was come it? back with the same. It, that oh, was the last no. one. I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so I do wonder if they'll come back in the same form. Like I would quite like him to come back with more Scissor Dial style, style documentary stuff. Like I'd love his own documentary series, like a Louis Theroux style series for Alan. Because I think that the bits that I enjoyed the most in this series were the bits where he was his little short films that he did outside of the live uh, content. And, and I'd like, but I don't know, maybe they'll come back and do another series of this. It's it's kind of setting up that there's going to be some kind of drama between him and his co-host again. So I don't know. Yeah, it's got to come back. I can't believe it's that short, the series flipping at British TV. Sort yourself out. But Partridge, um, uh, Scissor Dial, I was listening to an interview with Steve Coogan and he said they actually had a deal with Sky that was for a certain number of shows he had to produce and they realised they had one left and they went, oh, we've got to write another and they sort of just had fun with it and strung that together. I think it's one of the best things. I think it's my favourite thing that he's ever done. Yeah, it's it's, it's so so good. So funny. Have you watched that, Matt? No. Well, whatever you think of this new series, get on your your Now TV or your whatever you can, however you can get Scissor Dial just watch it you'll wee yourself laughing there's a couple of bits in it particularly that i think are just uh transcendent <laughs> it's so funny yeah. i just want to say i didn't I, I didn't hate um uh no no the, you just what, found it, it problematic what's in your call, the, uh, sorry, this time you, this time no i just it, it just didn't um I think Jamie hit the nail on the head when it's just it's there's too much agony in it, and I've I, I've always struggled with stuff that has that is based on agony because mm, mm. I can appreciate it, but I find it difficult to watch. Yeah, um, which is why this least. would be great if this was an American TV series that had twenty episodes. You could have Alan Partridge on top and enjoying himself for five of those episodes, and you wouldn't have to have the super cringe stuff. You could just have him being overtly you know uber clarkson sexist and everything and you could see him enjoying that for a while which is really fun really liberating but yeah yeah check out scissor dial i think that is that it's alan partridge making what he wants to make and it's brilliant it's brilliant okay so that's formula one and alan partridge um matthew did a poor job last week he was supposedly recommending love death and robots we want to give him a second shot at this because um he, he he has had sleepless nights ever since, knowing that he really just put us off it. But you've now you've oversold that again. Um, <laughs> Best of luck to you. So you've, you've put me in a position where I'm yet again not going to do mm. a, a, a good service. That's right. No, I just uh, I listened back to what I said last week, and I I, I think it, it, it's worth a look. Basically, is what I'm saying um, because uh, I, I like the format, and I, I've watched a bit more of it, and I. I like the stories are entirely not connected. They're just, it's basically just a, a little compendium of short films on the themes of, uh, love, death and robots. Okay. Um, I watched one 
last night, which is kind of about, it, it reminded me of, did you ever see A Quiet Place? Yes. It reminded me a little bit of that in that it's like um, farmers defending their land from aliens. Okay. But with uh, these kind of robot mech suits. Right. And uh, yeah, it was, it, it was really good. It was, it was worth having a look at. Um, right. But uh, I don't have an awful lot more to say on it. Ugh. Other than that, there's some very interesting animation in there. And, uh, and some, <laughs> um, some amusing ideas. Two, two words you've used. Uh, is it interesting and compendious uh, there? N- I said compendium. P- but, compendium. Um, uh, okay, good. Uh, let's move on. So, check it out. Yeah, the OA. Um, why am I struggling to press play on season two of the OA? Is it because the first one uh, got strung me along for so long and I wasn't entirely without cynicism of the ending maybe uh jamie have you continued it yeah i mean i completely drunk the kool-aid with this mm. i loved the first series i know a lot of people felt there was, there was it went it, you know it, this one teeters on the edge and sort of being uncomfortable of being very pretentious and uh ridiculous and but well just I on just on that note i bought into it just on that, that note sorry you carry on a sec just on that note if you've not heard the episode of this podcast where i talked to russell goma about the final episode of season one do go and listen to it it's very funny hearing a comic mind talk about the school shooting moment and um the, it, how well, difficult it is yeah. to watch that when you are a bit of a cynic and have a comic mind and uh, modern dance saves the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it, oh, it, it's totally, you can easily take the piss out of this show. It's yeah. so easy. It's so easy to be cynical. But it was great, so carry on. But I, I so I'm, I'm, I was like, I dived, deep dive straight back into season two and three episodes in, it's just as... Um, on the edge of pretentiousness and ridiculousness, but I'm enjoying it. Like it's, I, I, I don't know what, what it is about Britt Marling, uh, who's the, you know, the main creator and the main uh, protagonist of the show, but she's just so, I'm just, I really find her a fascinating actress. And I, I find this story really enjoyable mm. as a journey to go on. And I know that the, at any moment, this show could just, topple over mm. it is like it's sort of very fragile because it's so so on the edge of being completely ridiculous with this interdimensional storyline but i'm i'm just hoping that it, it stays i'm hoping I, I want it to stay good because i know at any moment there could be just something really just blows it out of the water that it's just horribly pretentious or horribly over the top that i don't buy into it anymore I, I, so far so good season two episode three i'm still loving it i'm approaching it in the same way that i approach changing the bed sheets which i think is the most unpleasant job in the house um it's just such <laughs> such effort and and that's kind of how i i'm aware of the effort it's going to take so i'm sort of putting it off i would do we do we pick up where we left off yeah you pick up uh, it takes a bit of time in the first episode to figure out exactly what the what the situation is, but because um, she's gone off in an ambulance, and then we're, we're she's going off an ambulance. 
presumably to another dimension, which you'll find out where, whether she goes to another dimension or not. <laughs> Great. Okay, good, good. All right, all right. And from there, you know, you're taking on that journey, wherever that journey goes. I, I, it, it takes off straight where it left. It's good to watch a recap. I'd recommend watching the Netflix recap before you start. Yeah. We we did that because we needed it, and uh, and then you know don't look at it as a if you look at it as like you're trying to change your bed sheets out, you're never going to get going. You got to <laughs> take it in little bite sized chunks if you have to. Well, don't the other do a thing is that the, the first series relied on such a it wasn't a who done it, but it was a what's going on, right? And it, it, it kept you going for so long with that question that I feel like we got an answer to what's going on. Is it now a new question? What's now uh, going no. on? Well, because yeah, because by the end, the end of the series was Prairie was trying to find her true, her the love. Hang of on, her has, life, has Matt seen met. this? Sorry, Matt. Matt, did you, you watch? That? I, yeah, I've seen the. First okay, good. Series, go yeah, on, yeah. go on, go on, Jamie. So, so Matt, you know, you, you know that Prairie was in love with this guy Homer, and they were all trapped together in this particular environment where they were being tested on like lab rats and. She was like cast aside from this group, and it's believed that they are in another dimension now with this bad guy played by Jason Isaacs, who was like this kind of sort of mad professor. And um, and now her journey is her quest is to find Homer because she's in love with Homer. So although yeah, how there was a little bit of figuring stuff out episode uh, season one, the overall goal was for her to get back to finding Homer and and saving him from wherever he is with this mad professor guy. So that, that is where season two takes you on that Hang journey on. with Prairie. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> when did they go to another dimension? Right. <laughs> In the ambulance, man. What's wrong with you? Uh, no, they, they haven't gone to one. In season one, they haven't gone to one. But the presumption is... The presumption is you need to watch the recap, guys. <laughs> the presumption is that they might have gone to another dimension. There's a possibility that they have. I see. Why, why is that the presumption? Do, uh, why, why, Matt, do you I not have a um, do you not have a vague recollection of the the school shooting thing finished? The, the ambulance is heading. I remember that. So the ambulance oh, is heading off, and he's chasing after the ambulance. Is Homer <laughs> chasing the ambulance? It's not Homer. No, that's that's the, not, it's the no. weird kid. Yeah. The, the bad weird kid. kid. From the and yeah, yeah, I yeah. seem to I seem to remember yeah. saying, "Oh, is she going off to another dimension now?" In the back of that ambulance, and will they right. stop at a McDonald's drive-through? Let me recap it how I remember it. So, <laughs> yeah. OA turns up in her hometown, having been gone for ages. Yeah. Um, we find out that she's been uh, held in this place by Jason Isaacs, uh, yeah. Mister Madness. Mm. Um. And in that place, they kind of the, the those five or six people who are in there piece together this weird piece of modern interpretive dance <laughs> that, um, that unlocks other dimensions. Yeah, hang on a second. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what they do. Remember? No. How does it unlock other dimensions? I remember there's some kind of machine that he keeps taking them to. Hmm. Yeah, and for a while he's just like testing, killing them because they've all had near death. That's right. He drowns them, doesn't he? Yes. So that and they're having all these visions, <laughs> and he's trying to work out what these visions relate to in these near death experiences. And they figure out that it, they are actually being transported when they go to these near death experiences to another dimension. And, and that's where they learn the, the movements. Yeah, and they learn <laughs> each one a separate. 
I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining somebody. So there, are, there is definitely at least one person listening to this podcast who's never seen the OA, and when you listen to this description, <laughs> yeah, it's it is ludicrous. It is ludicrous, right? But just accept that by the end of season one, Jason Isaacs has said. Pushed Brit, uh, pushed Brit Marling Prairie out of the group, and, and he's learned the, mo- the movements himself. So he's going to take the other four lab rats. Yes, because he's been watching them and filming them. Yeah. This is in season one. And he says, You're not going to get to go with us. And he casts her aside and, she, and, and tells her basically he's going to take the other four on another journey into another dimension. And so Prairie goes home finds this group of misfits in her hometown and tries to teach them the movement so she can get to another dimension. Meet me at midnight to learn modern dance. Wow. It's so rock. It's like Teen Wolf, basically, isn't it? I mean, it's very... I've probably made it sound a lot worse. It's good. You've reminded us. So then the school shooting happens and they realise that if they all stand up and do modern dance, it will freak the shit out of the guy who's doing the shooting long enough for him to pause what happens then no she well, gets shot he, yeah she gets shot that's right stop dancing they do the movement she gets <laughs> shot and then she is then taken in an ambulance and as she's in the ambulance she her soul or whatever is transported maybe into another dimension we're going to, you're going to find out in season two i, I guess. think maybe it does yeah yeah uh yeah. right right okay Just go give it a go honestly do a recap give it a go god i wish yeah, i'd spend I, I, I might do i wish i'd spend the last 10 minutes well like um, changing my bed yeah. sheets <laughs> <laughs> there's, no uh, there's good nothing like it good 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 okay. effort is ahead and yeah it, i mean in terms of suspension of disbelief this is a big one, isn't it? Um, oh, big time. Uh, but um, it's, yeah. it, it was enjoyable, and uh, we will pick it up at some point. There's a lot going on at the moment. I mean, Fleabag is taking up a lot of our time at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, that's been released week by week, and we're up to date so far. But um, I haven't seen this week's yet. I'm still looking forward to that. No. So good. And it's so good to hear Matthew's favourite Moriarty on screen again. Not at all. Uh, what, how good is Andrew Scott in this series? Oh, he's, he's so, so good. good. And I said to Sarah, yeah. even when he gets angry, he um, I'm amazed that even when his character gets angry, he doesn't have the Moriarty eyes. He's he's such a good character actor. Um, you would think that once well, he went so berserk. That's how good the writing is in Fleabag compared to Sherlock. True. Hello, Sherlock. Go on, Matt, do it. No, I can't. Oh, I, please. I, 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 please. No, I'm sorry. It won't be good if I do it like this. I have to think about it. Hello, Sherlock. See, I'm doing it, and it's well. It can't be worse than that. No, it couldn't be worse than that. Hello, Sherlock. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, it is just so good, and he's great. He's great. She's great. I mean, one thing that I will just point out. Um, I enjoyed the fact that in one of the episodes she talks to a woman who's getting an award for being Best Woman Award. And this is um, something that it's I often... Kristen Scott Thomas, isn't it? Is that who it is? Yeah. yeah I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I loved that little chat, actually. That was a brilliant was little duologue there. The and there was a Fantastic. nice line in it where she says, I hate these awards. It's not, it's not progress. It's dressed up as progress, but actually it's just 
what did she say? I mean, essentially she said vertical, um, <laughs> whatever my stupid phrase was. Uh, it's not progress, it's siloing, I think she said. Something like that. Um, and I agree with that. And this is where, where I get in a lot of trouble at the moment whenever there's a new movement out. Uh, for example, Phoebe, what's her name he writes it? Phoebe wallace Fowler. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Number one, she is awesome. She's brilliant. She's talented. I don't know anybody better. She's one of my favourite favorite writers of all time. So I am not for a second suggesting that she doesn't deserve the position that she's got. However, um, every time she's talked about it, it's always about, isn't this great that there's a woman, there's a woman, there's a woman writer. She comes from an incredibly privileged background, incredibly well-educated background, and I believe, I'm not sure whether it's her relatives or um, certainly, I think her relatives are like executive producers at the BBC or something, and something that I'm constantly trying to talk about is is privilege in general rather than just male privilege and looking across that way, and I'm really glad that I think that that line from her, that scene from her is in part probably the reaction to the amount of times in interviews that she has to answer the question about being a woman you know it must be it must become incredibly annoying just like the director of um, get out always has to uh, uh, be asked a question about being a black director and i i hear in his voice a kind of yeah i'd like to think that i'm being interviewed for being a good director you know anyway that's my rant finished fleabag's great anything else to say about it no, it's um, to go on for 18 episodes, really. Yeah, that's it. That's it. If only British TV went on. Uh, but, but you know, you've got one writer often. Uh, in Partridge, you've got three writers. In this, you've got one. Whereas in America, you've got 20, so you can churn out. Really? Them. Just one? Yeah, it's just her in this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought I heard a really nice story around Fleabag. Was the, uh, on Sunday brunch, you, you know the uh, woman who plays her sister? Hmm. Um, well, they both went to drama school together, and they said whoever made it first would give a part to her, the other one. Oh, and nice. She said that um, when obviously she made Fleabag, she fought for her to be a sister, and the, pro- the producers were like, "No, we don't want her. We want someone who's a bit more famous." And she had to fight hard to get her the role. And it's really nice, like story of uh, of working with a friend from your school, that your drama school days, and making it. Oh, and she's really nice. good, a sister. She's so really good. good. It's such yeah. a tough character as well. And it's such an unusual character. I, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a brilliant relationship they've got. Wow. Nice. And her sister, um, her older sister, Isabel Wallabridge, writes the music for it as well. Did oh. you know? Uh, lastly, should we give a little brief mention to Walking Dead? Because it's on go. Well, it's the finale's happened. We haven't seen it, have yeah. we? Any of us? We haven't yeah. seen it. We've watched the one before, which is called The Calm Before. And uh, it felt very long, a, that episode. Yeah. That was <laughs> a humdinger. Oh, yeah. Uh, remind me. Spoilers. Well, it ended oh, with, yeah. uh, well, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers alert. Spoilers. Uh, it ended with um, Alpha showing them all their heads on spikes. Oh, yes. How delightful. I like <clears> the <throat> medieval nature of this series in general. Although Sarah pointed out a really good point about the hilltop. No, not hill. The kingdom. Um, which was when they had the fair. Everyone's playing yeah. loot music. And she said, all right, I get that we're supposedly, you know, this series is about going back to kind of Western time and, and, and inventing society properly and constitutions. But in this length of time, would people have really gone back to playing the loot 
and play an actual yeah. medieval music. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I bumped on the, uh, the loop music, but I actually think that um, she's confusing uh, diegetic and non-diegetic music. Do you? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I, th- I think I they're playing think, it in situ. I, I don't think the, uh, the, the music that we heard when that was going on was actually being played in the village. No. Well, yeah, but that would be the only time that that's happened, that, that you've chosen like a, a period piece rather than just the, um, the horror music. I don't, I don't go with you on that That's one. not true. They, they have lots of um, music played in the show. Do you like that? They could take you back. I don't think so. I, th- I, 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 I mean, I, I'm. I could be wrong. Hang on, I, weren't they playing music thinking, on the stage? They did play some music on stage, but that was just a guy and a guitar and someone else singing. Okay, all right. But you didn't actually hear them, so uh, yeah. I, I don't. The fact that we never saw anyone playing the music makes me think that it wasn't actually playing. It makes me think that it was just... uh, I'll suspend my disbelief, but I I, I stand by um, that as a general criticism. My only criticism of this series is sometimes it has felt like that stuff, that um, look where we are now in the oldie worldie, stands out so much. For example, when Michonne gets in a horse-drawn carriage made out of a car, it's very difficult not to really notice that to the point that you go that's an interesting set that they've made there and seems i don't think i I don't think i agree with you about that because they they really um that they announced it in the last series when that weird um woman turned up what's that and do you not remember there was um uh a a woman who turned up it was like it was a weird yeah the weird woman who then disappeared yeah yeah. Who then gave gave them the keys to the future mm. in exchange for some records? Yeah, and then fucked off. But in that, they, they remember they looked. They opened the book and they looked through it, and there was loads of kind of um, not medieval, but um, oh. pre uh, pre industrial farming oh, stuff. And so uh, take it back. Yeah, I think I think it's fair enough, really. And like when I when you see things like the uh, the little water, um, yeah, uh, turn. What the fuck is the word? Why well, can't I think the of pump. any words? Water wheel. Well, yeah, the water wheels oh, that right. were going around in Alexandria. It's like, you know, what are you going to do? Unless you've got uh, a bunch of people who happen to have been engineers yep. in the and of in course they, life, they, how the hell are you going to build stuff? And, and they stole that big plough from the museum. To recreate museum. the fridge. Yeah. I would have fucking no idea how to do it. I suppose all I'm saying is that it feels like that has been that that kind of oh, look at what we're doing now has been made enough that sometimes the pace feels... It's felt most like a horror genre at some points for me in that way where they'll set up a couple of characters, like the old couple. So they'll start an episode with someone we've never met going, isn't it wonderful that we have such a perfect life and nothing will go wrong? And then you go into, you know, you kind of know that something's going to happen with them. I feel like they've kind of done the same thing. They've kind of made a thing of showing the turn of the century inventions or the turn of the pre-industrial century inventions, you know. Yeah, but I think that is just another hallmark of the show having thought about how it would work. Which is nice. I I, I respect that. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying in 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 the sense of like um, this whole episode was just it was l- so heavily loaded with uh, joy yes. at the start that yeah. you knew 
I was yeah. just, I, I was saying, I was saying to Hannah, I was like, "Good grief, the payoff at the end of this yeah. is going to be absolutely horrific." <laughs> it was like watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yeah, yeah. like before they storm the castle or something, wasn't it? it was like, uh, yeah, something, something's going to happen here. It was, I, I felt like we were going to lose like six or seven main characters. Yeah, and, and we lost we, Tara. Tara. Yeah, we did lose yes. Tara. Which, that that was arguably the biggest one, although. I, I feel like Tara's lost any identity in the last couple of series. So, uh, I was so mm. disappointed when they killed off, um, I can't Jesus. think of the name, the, the one from Nurse Jackie. No. Um, oh, another Way one. back. Yeah. I can't think of the name of the character or the actress. Um, she's really good as well. Damn it. Well, I can't remember her name. She's um, so funny. The one who got shot through the eye by, um, yeah. what's his name? Uh, Dwight. Mm. Do you remember? Yeah. How old? No. No, do you, I don't do you remember Nurse Jackie? Jackie? Yeah, no, yeah. The, Zoe from Nurse Merritt Jackie. Weaver. Oh, yeah, Mary Weaver. Weaver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was gutted when she went. Tara and her were together, and then um, she went out on a walk with uh, Daryl. That's right. And, that's and where got a fucking arrow through the eye. Yeah, that's where the whole Negan story started, wasn't it? It was. Mm. And then Tara, uh, from then on, I feel like she's just been a bit... Meh. Yeah. And so when she died, I, I didn't really bother. The only one who actually really, I would feel like oh man about uh, the people whose heads were on spikes was Enid right who um who I've always liked and yeah yeah um, yeah I have this behind the scenes view on Tara though which is that whenever I saw her interviewed um I always she was always very rock and roll <laughs> like she'd be misbehaving in interviews and stuff and I started to think this is just the last couple of years and I started to think they're gonna get rid of her she doesn't tell the yeah she doesn't tell the line and, and i started to notice that in a performance that she was really quite confident she'd really got into the stride of um, what she was doing but yes uh, became a bit expendable which is a shame i think because i like the actress um yeah she was a really good character at the start and i like the fact that she was from uh the governor's place and you know so we uh, began this series having ended a war and kind of going we're not going to have war anymore i, I i'm predicting are you that the final episode of the series is going to be back to war maybe i don't know i think that the final episode of this series i i reckon probably not not an awful lot will happen i think it'll be about um preparing well, surely not, or... because this episode was called The Calm Before, so it must be yeah, the storm. Yeah, I, I don't think the storm will happen until Series 9 or whatever mm. we're on. Interesting. I mean, surely in order for the series to, to continue, if there is a storm in this next episode, it can't resolve. Uh, we can't have another all-out win. Uh, hey, great, let's move on with life. But we're certainly looking forward to some payback towards the most annoying character in history since the Bin Dippers. Well, you know what annoyed me about the, this this episode is um, Walking Dead has kind of fallen into a trap of of having villains who, to use to borrow a phrase from The Incredibles, uh, they get they have a habit of monologuing. Yes, and, yes. Uh, like in this episode, she specifically uh, she got a bunch of people. She killed a load of them in a very horrible and graphic way and left one alive to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Then caught another bunch of people and let them go as well. Yeah, which was very useful to us, wasn't it? That she let all of them go rather than just one of them. Yeah, because she had Daryl, mm-hmm. Carol, mm-hmm. Um, 
who else was there? Farrell, Barrel, oh. and Far- <laughs> <laughs> Laurel. That's the funniest thing you've ever said on the podcast, Al. Oh, right thanks. There. Wow. <laughs> well done. That was good. Oh, it tickled um, who, who was in that group? There were some big hitters. Yeah, 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 and it was. Yeah, you're Michonne. right. You're right. Is it was one of these. Michonne these was there. Un- yeah, they could have taken out the entire leadership of everyone. Yeah, in one fell swoop, and it would have been like these guys are never coming back. Now you send them yes. off with your fence. And you have won. So again, the, the horror one. movie tropes that annoy me are things like that, where you go, ah, come on, come on, make it harder for yourself than that. Especially in a world like this, where it's so brutal. Yeah. Yeah, surely and, she would have done big, a few of them. big man in the leather jacket would have wanted, who just got pushed down a fucking elevator shaft by Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. It, surely he would have said, can, can I just kill that one? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, sorry, my Wait. cat's got strong opinions. <laughs> Flea bag. Um, so, uh, yes, really good point. Well made. And we're back to that fundamental problem of, 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 of a horror series, which is that you want you need characters to connect with, but you always need a new fresh crop. I just felt but a little past, bit... I, I feel like they've always had a reason to let people go. Like, mm. the, 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 the very famous uh, Negan, uh, yeah. you know, bat scene yeah. was... It was a clear thing. It was like he was trying to just, he, he was in his head, he was saying, this is how I lay down the law. Mm-hmm. I put the fear of fucking God into them yeah. and then uh, let them go and they work for me. If you haven't Whereas, seen the Negan bat scene, it's when Negan dresses up as a bat and jumps out from under a table, uh, scares the willies out of everybody. Sorry, I yeah. think Skype dropped out and, for a minute. Uh, uh, carry on. No, 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 Skype didn't drop off. That was just... We missed the laughter. We said. missed the laughter. <laughs> carry on. Uh, I forgot. I've lost my train of thought now. But Break yeah, stuff. no, no. no. Um, we, we've been in a lot of situations where people have gone almost to the brink, and mm. uh, but mm. there's always been a fairly justifiable reason why not. Yeah. But this one, it just felt like here you've got literally, you've got all the people who are going to lead the revolt against you if you let them go yeah. in one place, you've got knives to their throats. What have you got to lose well, here? I, I think, I think the point was that, that she knew she had the leaders of the communities and she wanted them to send the message as well. She wanted them to kind of, why? Sadiq's already I think she tied wanted... to a tree on, on, you know, behead, behead and mountain. <laughs> that someone's going to find came... him eventually. I think she kind of respects other alphas. Like I think because she she sees that she's an alpha, isn't she? She 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 respects that there are leaders, okay. and that those leaders. Should, I, that's the way I'm, I'm just justified. So it was a UN. Oh, it was a UN peace talk, essentially, is what you're it saying. Was, yeah, it was a G six. It's a G six. And <laughs> the thing the thing is, this series, whatever happens in the final episode, I've enjoyed it a lot more. It's been a really. I think it's been a really solid season. It's like they built some good foundations. I actually am really enjoying these zombie whisperers and they are menacing I, in a way that i quite like not her though i mean she, she annoys the hell I like out of me the actress, it's samantha morton she's a very talented actress. i don't care she might be doing a, she might be doing a dodgy care. accent but, why you know. don't you go back and tell everybody that i'm a bad alpha i don't have a problem with the accent particularly but i think the the choices about uh i don't like the choices particularly I'd like but you to notice who, the, who length, the length of her vowels. That's what annoys me. The length of her vowels. Um, 
Good. I think that's it. We were going to talk about yeah. Umbrella Academy because Jamie's or Matt's watched a bit of that. Is that correct? We can we can Jamie leave has. that for now. I've watched. Yeah, Jamie it needs his tea. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, as Good ever, stuff. please agree, disagree. Tell us that we've changed your life on email studio at theboxsetpod.com. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. Thank you all. And see you in a fortnight. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.